Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm, of course, your host, Pastor Brad Gray, and uh, I am the senior pastor of Stonington Baptist Church right here in central Pennsylvania, Paxinos, Pennsylvania, to be specific. Uh, and it has been uh, quite a few days or weeks since I was able to last come to you in, in this way, in this format on the on the podcast. And so I'm here with another edition of Pastor Brad's Corner trying to recap the last couple weeks, but also get ready to end uh, this year well. Uh, and that's something that I hope that we can do, hope that we can accomplish. And uh, I hope that that's something that you're thinking about too. Um, we're nearing that time of year when we are making resolutions, making uh, plans, and uh, perhaps we shouldn't though. Perhaps if there's anything that we've learned from the last 300 odd days is that we are really bad at making plans. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll see what happens, see what this next year holds. Um, but I just want to come to you and share a few thoughts that I had on my heart this week uh, to kind of recap Thanksgiving. Uh, I am it's one of my favorite times of year. Um, it, that's, it, it seems like when November, let's say November 15th happens, all the malls and stores around the country start blasting Christmas music. And one of those songs that is blasted in, in my ears is, is the most wonderful time of year. And, uh, I, I do believe that in many respects that uh, I love this time of year, the, the holidays, the, the uh the just the camaraderie the the family the and of course the eating too <laughs> which is what we get to enjoy uh at thanksgiving so i hope you had a good thanksgiving uh mine was good uh, spent it with family and uh actually one of the highlights of the week of thanksgiving uh my wife and i were able to uh buy a dog so that's always fun and it's actually kind of uh, poetic in a lot of ways um two years so two years ago i'll just share the story i've shared it with a couple of people but uh i'll just share it with you so two years ago or so, we uh, lost our dog, our first dog that we had. When I say lost, she passed away. We woke up one morning and she was she was gone. She had uh, uh, passed away in her sleep um, through the night somehow. Uh, we don't really know how exactly, but possibly uh, kidney failure or some, some sort of internal thing. And uh, it was on like a Black Friday. It was like one of the few days, recent days after after Thanksgiving Day. And, and, uh, of course a lot has happened in the intervening two years. And, uh, now here we are two years later and we were able to 
by another dog uh, the day before Thanksgiving, and uh, I'm really thankful for her. Uh, we are definitely dog people, and uh, she has just made a, um, a wonderful addition to our home, and I'm so glad that we were able to have her in our lives, and uh, and she just... She just lights up our life, and uh, I'm thankful for her. And it's it's interesting the the love and the adoration that a dog can can give you. Uh, you can learn a lot about yourself just by uh, having a pet in your house. I think in a lot of ways, just the uh, they have such an unconditional love to them. Uh, they don't really care most of the time what you do or say to them in the few seconds previous they are just as happy to greet you as if you've been gone for 10 years and uh it's it's been a joy to have a dog back in our home again and it just makes us feel a little bit more settled uh it seems like there's been events after events that have continued to make us feel settled in the place that we are and this is just another one of those things and it, it seems kind of uh, you know, silly, uh, kind of innocuous to uh, to talk about that in this context, perhaps. But I don't always think that it is. And uh, dogs, pets, they can give us that sense of peace and comfort, and they do that in a really real, real way. And and that's why I'm thankful for her. And so <laughs> that was the big highlight of our Thanksgiving week, which I'm thankful to share with you. And we are thankful to have her um, as well. Um, this past Sunday, I wrapped up a 12-part series preaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. So um, it was what a what a joy it was to finish that series. Um, it was definitely challenging. I, I, I have shared with a couple people that I think Ecclesiastes is at the same time one of the most important books that we have in the Bible, but I think at the also at the same time, it's one of the most challenging books in the Bible. Solomon is talking about so many things on such an existential level, on a way in which we don't often grasp, we, we don't often um, sort of follow him and what he's trying to say, and so it takes a lot of sitting and musing and meditating and really thinking about what he, what point he's trying to get across. And I think that's the thing with Ecclesiastes. We just have to sit and think about it. We just have to sit and let it, let it marinate in our hearts and in our souls and in our minds. Let the words kind of just sit in your, in your heart and chew on them. Really just think about what he's trying to say and the point he's trying to convey. And I think oftentimes we don't have a lot of, a lot of patience for that. Um, I, I've shared this before in a couple different instances that some of our immediacy, that that uh, that craving that we have for immediate gratification and satisfaction and immediate results uh, can seep into our uh, devotional sort of proclivities in, in such that we are so desperate to have things quick and now. And I don't think that dis- discipleship is is like that. And I think that's most apparent in Ecclesiastes. If you're reading Ecclesiastes to become a stronger disciple of Christ, it's going to take a while. It's going to take some some studying. I, I spent a lot of time on these sermons uh, because, number one, I wanted to preach them faithfully and accurately. But number two, there was just a lot of things to wrestle through and wrestle with in a lot of subjects and themes and topics that, that Solomon, who I believe wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, is dealing with and, and reckoning with. And as he is reckoning with them, you too, the reader, and uh, me, the preacher, uh, I was forced to reckon with them too. Um, but I'm so glad to be able to do that because I think that throughout all of Ecclesiastes, we are made to see uh, 
just what life means um, and just how fruitful and how beneficial and what a gift life is. I think that you could begin this, I think I began this series in Ecclesiastes talking about just that very thing, about how oftentimes we relegate Ecclesiastes as this book that talks about how vain life is and how life doesn't really matter. And so we can just, we kind of take it for granted and we kind of take it, um, uh, we kind of neglect it and relegate this book to relative obscurity, so to speak, when it, in terms of other books of the Bible. And I just think that that's unfair to it, but also I think it's it's misguided because I think Ecclesiastes is one of those profound books of Scripture. It deals with things that we are dealing with right now uh, that are at the deepest level of our souls, I think, in terms of we want to have this assurance of future days. We want to have this foresight to be able to know what we can bank our lives on what we can find guaranteed. And and that's really what I was talking about in the last two chapters as he's as, as Solomon is wrapping up this book, which is really like a sermon in many respects. He's talking about what what can guarantee you um peace and comfort and all those sorts of things in life. And he's talking about the guarantees that we so long for and Really, what you find throughout the whole book, all 12 chapters, is that so long as we are putting our hopes in something that is truly guaranteed, something that is truly lasting, that it exists here under the sun, as to, to use his phrase, we will be on a never-ending wild goose chase forever, uh, unless we are finding our true guarantee in the one who guarantees himself to us. And I think that's the message of Ecclesiastes, that it's the message that uh, the early church father, St. Augustine, uh, made famous, that our hearts are restless until they find rest in you, in God himself. And I think that's the lesson of this book. The lesson of Ecclesiastes, the, the whole prevailing point throughout its pages, throughout its really varied and wild and, and sometimes awkward situations and pictures and illustrations is that we will never ever be at rest. We'll never find peace. We will never live a fulfilled life until our rest and peace and fulfillment is found in God alone. As he is everywhere called throughout that book, he's the one who holds the power of judgment. He's the one who holds the the power of, of providence over all things. He's the great overriding uh, sovereign that is above all things and in all things and through all things. And I think that that's, to me, the message that makes Ecclesiastes so profound. Um and I think and I hope that uh, that that point was 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 grasped throughout these sermons um, because I was challenged by it. Um, I was challenged immensely um, by reading again these lines, by studying them in such a way as to not just bring a sermon from them, but to bring God's truth to bear in a way that. Um, it makes sense to where we are, but also makes sense to our modern ears. And I think that's something that we often have to wrestle with, is that is that we don't have to change Scripture to make it relevant. But uh, the joy and the challenge, at least for me as an expositor of the Word, so to speak, if I can use that terminology, is just the idea of making it uh, 
making it hearable, making it listenable uh, to to modern ears. And uh, I think, um, I, I pray that that was done. I, I'll put the link to the, that last sermon, and hopefully you can go through and listen to those sermons. I challenge you to, if you weren't with us uh, for all the weeks, uh, you can find all of them in the in the church podcast and my sermons podcast. Um, so I'll make sure to link those uh, below, and you can listen to all these sermons, because I, I find them really profound in the sense that uh, the profundity has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God's Word, and just how relatable it is to our present moment, to our current situation, um, the present circumstances that we have. And we are made to, in them, uh, cherish these present moments for what they are, uh, the gift that God has given us, and that all of life is a gift. Uh, so I challenge you to do that. Um, before we continue, I just want to share a quick word from the sponsor for this show, the, the sponsor for this podcast. Do you like coffee? I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. I was introduced to Fresh Roasted Coffee soon after moving to Central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or pour over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. On to the rest of this show, I just have two other quick thoughts that I want to share really quick. Um... Because and there's things that have just kind of been sticking with me uh, a little bit lately, um, and the first comes from, of course, uh, Father Stephen Freeman uh, and his blog, uh, Glory, Glory to God for All Things. Now, uh, I'll just share a quick word with you. Uh, he he. Let me let me try to parse this out. <laughs> Father Stephen Freeman is actually a writer and, and an Orthodox uh, priest, so he serves and ministers in the context of the Orthodox Church of America. And so, right off the bat, you have to I have to admit that a lot of his theological doctrinal um, sort of proclivities and propensities uh, run uh, sort of at friction with my own. Um, but I love Father Stephen's writing because he articulates many truths that I think I don't often think about a lot of times, and he uses a little bit of the liturgical aspects of his own uh, faith and practice to articulate uh, some really deep and profound gospel truths. If you're reading him, uh, especially if you're coming from a Baptist context, which I am, you have to exercise a, a healthy dose of discernment, I think, in terms of reading him, just because he has a lot of different uh, sort of views of theology, of salvation and such, uh, than my own. 
But regardless, I love what he articulates in one of his most recent blogs, uh, a blog that he put up for Thanksgiving uh, entitled uh, Thanksgiving Communion, in which he uh, articulates in such a way that the entire life of a Christian is one of Thanksgiving. Now, we hear all the time that the cliche of the Thanksgiving holidays that we just went through is that we shouldn't just give thanks at this time of year. It should be an every year thing. We should always make giving of thanks a practice that we do. Um, But I think even though that might sound cliche and trite in a season like which we are in, uh, it is true. It's the true cliche, and those, are, I think, are the ones that we most often take for granted, are the cliches that are actually true. And this one is that. Uh, our entire lives are to be done in the air and in the sort of auspices of Thanksgiving, because as uh, Father Stephen articulates, Thanksgiving is perhaps the truest sense of the word of what it means to uh, to. Uh, to have communion, to uh, participate in the communion service, uh, the Lord's Supper, as we often call it here in the Baptist faith. Uh, it's just that all that we do and uh, ought to be done in thanks for what has already been done. Uh, that's what Thanksgiving means. We are uh, enjoying this meal that we have with friends and family uh, because of what has been done previously. That's communion too. We are enjoying this meal of 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 the cup and of the bread in thanks for what has already been done on our behalf. If we're going to it in order to get something from it, to in order to uh, get earn some sort of reward or merit or something like that. It's worthless. It doesn't mean anything. It, it, that's what we can say for Thanksgiving too. If if it's if we're giving thanks in order to merit some sort of thing, in order to win something for ourselves, uh, to provide some sort of benefit for ourselves, it's not going to mean anything. We're ruining sort of the whole point of thanks. Thanksgiving is giving thanks for what has been done. Uh, it is finished. Jesus cried. Uh, I, I, I really like this article. It's it's really good. I invite you to read it. It has a lot in it that I I really just uh, am deeply uh, sort of affected by and inspired by. So I hope you'll read it. Uh, again, if you're reading some of the other stuff, make sure to exercise some discernment in what you're reading. Uh, I can't always uh, vouch for everything he writes, but I do love what he writes here. And there's several other pieces that I've talked about before. So enjoy it. Uh, Thanksgiving communion. The other thought I want to just kind of jump off of is is when one of the most recent episodes this episode actually 199 of the podcast mocking cast now the mocking cast is sort of the flagship podcast may we may, may, may i say for mockingbird ministries um uh, a, a, web, a website i'm very happy to be a contributor for um, but Mockingbird, uh, in their podcast, The Mockingcast, it's hosted by none other than Dave Zoll, R.J. Heyman, and Sarah Condon. And so they just gather every other Friday to just share some thoughts on the presence and absence of grace as we see it happening in everyday life. And in, in this episode specifically, episode 199, uh, Sarah actually has, I think, one of the most helpful insights in terms of uh, connecting two different thoughts that I think we often try to wrestle with and and try to understand what they mean. And I think the way she presents it, and I'm just going to jump off of what she's referring to here, and 
helps me, I think, in terms of understanding what it means to hold intention that we have this kingdom of God that's coming, but also that the kingdom of God is given to children. So she is referencing, I even forget actually exactly how she gets onto this point, but she references this sort of, I think she terms it the beautiful obliviousness of children. And to me, that's a really resonant image. Uh, thinking about my own children, they have sort of this beautiful obliviousness to all of the chaos going on. You can look at, and hopefully that's true, you know, looking at a three-year-old or a four-year-old, they have no sense of 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 the chaos that's happening in our lives, of the upheaval that we are feeling. Uh, they have no sense of of the fracturing that that we are that we are enduring in our own personal lives they are concerned with elsa they are concerned with olaf they are concerned with robin hood they are concerned with mickey mouse they are concerned with whatever is before them in the moment the fact that uh, they said that they wanted a, a peanut butter sandwich but no in fact they lied they 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 actually wanted a hot dog for lunch they they are so uh, and sometimes we can find that frustrating I can be frustrated by the fact that, no, you told me you wanted a peanut butter sandwich, and now you're telling me something different. But there's this beautiful obliviousness there, I think, that if I am able to stop myself and think about, that, to me, just resonates with me so deeply. The fact, too, the f is that when Jesus says, to such belong the kingdom of God, he's talking to children. And so there's this wonderful, I think, aspect that the paradigm for our faith is the paradigm of this beautiful obliviousness to that we don't have to figure out what's going on. We don't have to always have all of the details exactly right. This, again, goes back into play with what we've been talking about and what I talked about through my sermon series in Ecclesiastes, that we don't have to know all of the ins and outs of future days. We can be in the present beautifully, hopefully, gracefully oblivious to all of those things because what is right here in the present in front of us is what is our calling. That is what is has been gifted to us. Uh, throughout the Bible, there's several instances where God sort of tears open the fabric of reality, if we want to say it that way, and we are greeted with this horrible, frightening image of of what eternity looks like, where the future often looks bleak. Just read Ecclesiastes, or excuse me, read Ezekiel or Revelation or any of the apocalyptic books, and they give us something that has this impending sense of doom and ominousness to them. And I, and I think there's some accurate reasons why that is done it, because it's not meant to be something we obsess over or or project or predict or 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 dread the grace of the gospel allows us it frees us i think to be innocently oblivious to live in the present innocently oblivious to all of the frenetic things that are going on around us and focus on the love that we have been shown that we are also called to show to others this is the kingdom of heaven. It belongs to, as in the words of Jesus, to innocent, oblivious children who trust in their sovereign father for the rest of the universe. His hands are upholding this entire thing. His hands are the ones that are, uh, that are making sure everything happens according to his will and to, according to his way. We, 
we don't have to be the ones who know the future because we know the one who has already been in the future and has written it or ordained it to happen according to his will. This is the kingdom of heaven. It belongs to us who have been graciously allowed to be oblivious about it. This isn't to say that we shouldn't read Revelation. This isn't to say that we shouldn't study eschatology in terms of trying to grow or deepen our faith. What it is to say is that we don't need to frighten ourselves or to uh, to fret ourselves over things that we cannot control or ascertain or understand, precisely because the kingdom of God belongs to such of these, such as these innocent, oblivious children who are graciously held by the arms of their strong and almighty Father. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you've been blessed by this this episode. It was a rather brief brief one, but I hope to get back into more of a regular habit of these things uh, next week and uh, all throughout the next year as well. So uh, I'm making no promises on that. Um, but I hope that you've been blessed by it. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, subscribe to the show if you want on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much, though, for your prayers, for your support. I hope you had a great holiday uh, for Thanksgiving, and I hope you are looking forward to uh, the rest of this month and the holidays of of Christmas and uh, New Year's. So thanks so much for listening. I hope to see you uh, very soon, and I hope to uh, have you listen on the next episode, too. So blessings. Have a good one.